This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. In this edition, I'm absolutely delighted to bring back returning guest Ben Jacobs, of course, journalist with CBS Sports. Ben, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? A busy time for you. Pleasure, Chris. Yeah, busy time for me, busy time for Spurs. Absolutely. Well, we're all pleased as Tottenham Hotspur fans at the moment because we're getting uh, deals done early. Uh, but I wanted to start the chat, if I may, uh, by talking about the Harry Kane situation. Uh, there has been so much speculation. We've heard in the last couple of days that Bayern Munich have placed a bid for Harry Kane. Can you give us a full update on the Harry Kane situation? Is it true that Bayern Munich have actually formally put an offer in? Well, it's not only true that they've put an offer in, but a second offer is actually being prepared, as I exclusively revealed yesterday, for somewhere in the region of £80 million. And Tottenham's position is simple, that any offer is effectively auto-rejected. Um, what we have to wait and see is whether or not eventually, with either player desire or if a certain number is hit, Daniel Levy's position changes. But Tottenham effectively are on auto-reply, and that auto-reply says, thank you for your offer for Harry Kane. Your offer has been rejected. Please don't try again during the summer. And I don't think that Levy or Postcoglu is going to waver from that for a Premier League rival, which is why Manchester United had low optimism that they could get anything done. So the key question in all of this is whether or not it softens the blow somehow if a situation arises whereby a foreign club wants Kane, it's in Tottenham's financial interest, Kane wants the move and asks Spurs to respect that because of his loyalty to the club. Is there a slight window of opportunity there? And that's the debate happening at the moment internally at Bayern Munich. So they'll be back, but Tottenham's position again is that you don't even really get a conversation unless that number is £100 million, not euros. And then on top of that, even if an astronomical offer was placed, 
and I call it astronomical because of Kane's contract situation rather than any disrespect to the incredible player he is. Of course, he's worth tons of money, but the contract situation reduces his market value as far as the transfer is concerned. And this is ultimately where we're at at the moment. So we have to now wait and see, one, whether Kane is going to contribute to any kind of exit, and two, whether Daniel Levy will change his mind. And usually he's stubborn. So I can tell you categorically at the time we're recording this, regardless of any interest, Spurs are planning for Harry Kane during pre-season and for the forthcoming season ahead. Ben, I've seen so many reports stating that Harry Kane has an agreement in principle with Bayern Munich. Is there any truth in that? Has Harry Kane's camp actually spoken to Bayern Munich? Well, I think we have to be very careful because an agreement in principle doesn't actually mean that he's agreed to move. It simply means that the terms discussed would be seen as broadly acceptable. And my understanding is that Bayern have reached out on the player side and have discussed ultimately what the financials of a move might look like. That's not quite the same as agreeing personal terms, but it is ultimately getting player buy-in. In other words, Bayern don't want to waste their time doing anything on the Tottenham side unless they at least know that if a fee is agreed, Kane is interested in the sense that the financials are acceptable. That's very different to Kane saying he wants Bayern, he only wants Bayern, and players can ultimately agree terms with different clubs. And I think the other thing that is worth pointing out in all of this is it's in Kane's interests, regardless of what happens, to look at financials and even agree verbally to them. Because if he stays at Tottenham and the Postacoglu project goes according to plan, then he's always got the opportunity to sign a new deal. And when he signs a new deal, if a club with Champions League football like Bayern Munich have offered more lucrative terms than he's currently on at Tottenham, and that remains to be seen, by the way, but if those terms are an improvement, then ultimately he could have aspects of what was put down on paper to offer. It's a bit like if you've got a job that you like and you take a job interview, you may accept the terms of those job specifics without actually taking that job. So at some point later down the line, you can go back to either your employer or another employer and say, listen, I actually was offered this. So I would quite like you to match it. And it shows what my market value is, or it shows the length of contract that I can get at my age. And this, by the way, is why a variety of players are also going to Saudi Arabia. Some want the move, but some simply want to use the terms that they're going to be offered and can in theory agree to as some kind of leverage to get a deal elsewhere. So Kane's in a really healthy position because he knows Spurs want to keep him. He knows Bayern want him. He knows there's Premier League interest. He knows if he wants a new deal at Tottenham, he can lead on that new deal. So I actually don't see him at this stage as being in a particular rush. I think he's perfectly happy to go back and have pre-season with Tottenham. And the ball is ultimately now in Bayern's court to try and change Tottenham's mind. Ben, at the moment, though, are Spurs um, offering Harry Kane a new contract? Are they pushing Harry Kane to try and sign a new contract? Not at this stage, but I think that that's normal. First of all, because they're not being forced to, and that's where Kane is important. And second of all, because everybody understands that Harry Kane wants to see how the project develops. So if Kane signed a contract now, it might be celebrated. But if you're sensible and you're Kane, you're putting all manner of clauses and caveats to still allow you to leave. Or you're saying to Tottenham, why don't we sign a one-year deal and then see what happens in a year's time? And Tottenham would protect his value to some extent and Harry Kane would still have an out. But Kane signing a contract will mean nothing if the Tottenham project doesn't move next season. 
Because even if he stays at Tottenham and was to put pen to paper, there would be enough in that contract, either because it's shorter or because there's clauses in it that still allow him to leave. Because Harry Kane will not want to stay another year at Tottenham. And if they do not get Champions League football, remain at the football club thereafter. Because ultimately, if they don't get it next season, then they don't have it the season afterwards. And suddenly he's passing his peak from an age point of view. So... Contracts don't mean as much as perhaps they used to. You only have to look at Alexis McAllister, signed a new deal, went to Liverpool. Moises Caicedo, signed a new deal, is likely to go somewhere, very likely Chelsea during the course of this summer window. So if Kane signs, again, everyone will celebrate. But what are the terms of that signature, which is far more important? Because if those terms give him an out anyway in a year's time, or uh, Spurs don't qualify for Champions League football, so they have to sell or even just a gentleman's agreement to that kind of tune, signing a deal doesn't really help Spurs keep on to Kane in the long run. And I think at this stage, it's not about Spurs trying to get Kane to sign. Of course, that's what they want. It's about Spurs primarily trying to keep Kane first and foremost. And then if he falls in love with the Postacoglu project, the natural conclusion will be that somewhere over the course of the coming months, or certainly before the contract expires, he does sign a new deal at Tottenham. But you do think that if Spurs did receive an offer of over £100 million, they would look at it and they would think about it? Well, I think if we look at two years ago when Manchester City came in, Daniel Levy said to Manchester City, pay £200 million or somewhere around that mark, otherwise don't engage with me. And Manchester City said, we're not doing that. I don't think in this scenario it would be quite as simple. I would be surprised if Daniel Levy puts a price tag on it. And that, I think, tells you that there is a number and Spurs will have to cash in on that number. But whether or not that number, for example, is 100 million euros or around 80 million pounds, apologies if that conversion is wrong, I think remains to be seen. So usually when a club gives a specific number as per Kane times Manchester City, it's astronomical and it's to ward off the market. Whereas if Levy's giving a number now... I don't think it will be a ward off number. I think it's more about Levy waiting and not triggering anything or offering Kane to anyone. But he will have privately a number that he doesn't share. And if that number's hit, I think Spurs will have to think very seriously. But it's still a massive task for Bayern to hit that number because Bayern Munich are relying on the fact that they're going to somehow get Kane for under £100 million, probably at a maximum of £100 million euros and you might find that to get to that number their structure which is equally as important is quite add-on heavy and who's to say that the add-ons will be gettable and if Daniel Levy gets an offer for even 100 million pounds but certainly 100 million euros and it's 80 plus 20 and 10 of them are on let's just say Bayern winning the league then those are quite likely but it's not 100% guaranteed and then if the other 10 are on Bayern winning the Champions League, then Daniel Levy may turn around and say, there's a fair chance that I never get that. So the structure of the deal is not acceptable, even though the number might seem quite high. So this isn't quite as simple as just someone's got a table 100 million plus. It's about structure. But Bayern's challenge is that for them to get to anything that's acceptable to Daniel Levy is going to be a big, big task. And I think this is why Spurs are still 
relatively calm about the situation. And the only thing that's going to change that is if Kane drives the move. And to date, he hasn't. But we're going to have to wait and see on that because only Kane knows whether he's prepared to effectively, both privately and potentially publicly, if he needs to, push to exit Tottenham. And that would obviously be a shame because he's had such loyalty to the football club that either for Levy to roadblock him for a move that he wants or for Kane to have to try in some way and force his way out a bit more acrimoniously, it would be disappointing all around because my belief, but I'm not a Spurs fan, so everyone in the chat will probably disagree with me, but if Kane genuinely wants the move, then I'd be a little bit sad for him if Spurs didn't help facilitate that, given his loyalty to the football club. But that's just my personal opinion. But I preface that again with, we don't know if Kane wants the move. We know he's open to buy and talks and we know he's open to the financial package, but we also know that he's open to sitting down with Ange Postacoglu and hearing the Spurs pitch. Yeah. So I think usually as a journalist, we want the sort of scoop of he'll definitely stay or he'll definitely go. But in this particular narrative, we need to be a little bit more cautious and responsible because perhaps Kane hasn't even yet shown his true hand. Ben, of course, a couple of weeks ago, Spurs appointed Ange Postacoglu on a four-year deal. And as we all know, um, in recent times, we've gone through various um, good managers. Pochettino, mm. uh, Jose Mourinho, uh, I know Nuno Espirito Santo was there for a short while, but Antonio Conte, serial winners. Spurs have gone down a different route this summer by appointing Postacoglu. How big is this rebuild for him? And what is different? What will be different this summer and beyond? Well, I think Postacoglu... Certainly compared to Conte, it's just a huge change in style and that will impact a variety of players. And I think that what Postacoglu brings is a very front foot approach. Um, in that 4-3-3 that he favours, you're going to see midfielders and forwards that really stretch the pitch and you're going to need ball playing defenders and again, midfielders that are on the front foot. And when you talk about ball-playing centre-backs in particular and front-foot central midfielders, there's not within the Spurs squad that many fits. And there's a few in particular that may well be either surplus to requirements or will have to adapt how they play. So what Tottenham are going to see is, I think, a more exciting style, which is ultimately what fans want, win, lose or draw. And I think that Postacoglu is going to be all about tempo, all about quick transitions, all about progressive passing. And ultimately then, should Kane stay, a focal point that can score consistently. And this is the beauty, really, if you're Postacoglu and Kane stays, you're inheriting somebody that, even in a bad season, is going to get you 20 goals. And in a good season, as he proved last season, can get you 30 or even potentially more. And um, Kane having a great season, sadly for Spurs, married with a defensive shambles at the back. But if Tottenham concede a few less goals and give away a few less leads, then if Kane continues to score as consistently, it's going to buy them based on last season, probably 15 points. And that's the difference ultimately between not qualifying for Europe and in likelihood being in the Champions League. So you'd much rather have the problem, I think, if you're Postacoglu, of having to find ball-playing defenders and make things a little bit less leaky at the back, a lot more leaky at the back, in fact, than the other way around. Whereas if you look at Chelsea, they're screaming for goals and these Kane-like 
traditional prolific scorers don't just grow on trees. Whereas I think when you're looking for like an assured centre-back, when you're looking for a front-foot central midfielder, when you're looking for a creative-minded midfielder like James Madison, who's just joined, there's more of them available on the market. So if Spurs have smart recruitment and if Levy steps back when a new sporting director comes in and then you've got Scott Munn as well and if Postacoglu can have his say and, of course, they've got to sort out how they're going to integrate the new goalkeeper that's just signed into that style as well, who's, again, ball playing. So there's a pattern here in all of this. If everything can gel together, then Spurs could still be in very good shape heading into the new season. So it's uncertain times, but it's also exciting times for Spurs. And I think that excitement will reflect in the style and energy of how Ange Postacoglu likes to play football. It's much more urgent than under Antonio Conte. It's much more front foot. It's much more composed at the back. It's much more direct and quick through the middle. It's a little bit wider. And I think that you can get caught on the counter-attack that way. You can overcommit. You can be a bit too gung-ho at times. So that's the sort of risk-reward element. But ultimately, Tottenham fans pay hard-earned money to see their side wear their heart on their sleeve, score a bunch of goals, win a bunch of games and give it their all. And I think that that is Postacoglu's style. So you can win a bit uglier and you can win a bit more defensively. And that can lead to trophies. And I suppose Mourinho's style showed that at Chelsea. But under Conte, Spurs didn't win trophies. So why not try it Postacoglu's way? And this is why I think that it's a good appointment. Ben, you mentioned a director of football there. Um, do you still expect Spurs to appoint a director of football? Because um, from reports in the last couple of days, Fabio Prasci is still working for Tottenham on a consultancy basis. And we've also heard that Greta Steenson is on the verge of leaving Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. So do you expect a new director of football to come in soon? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised, really, that the director of football wasn't before the manager a few months ago. Mm. But obviously, circumstances dictated it couldn't be that way around. But I think that had Antonio Conte stayed until the end of the season and then left, which was the expectation a little bit earlier in the season, then it very much would have been a case of bringing in the sporting director first and then having that sporting director input to the managerial choice. The other thing to bear in mind in all of this is just that there's kind of half a sporting director in if you are like for like comparing it to Fabio Paratici. And that's because Paratici had two roles, kind of sporting director and general manager. So now there's going to be two people doing what was one Paratici role. And Scott Munn covers half of that. So on the recruitment side, there is that need to bring in the sporting director. But obviously Spurs have still got a pre-existing plan for this window. And the only intriguing thing for me is how much that changes. Because if that plan, because clubs are ultimately planning windows ahead, was based upon Conte, and you would assume that Spurs planning two, three windows ahead were planning it on Conte and with Paratici and obviously Levy's input as well. You would assume that that was all based on Conte ball and now it's Postacoglu ball. So some targets are going to have to change. And this is why I think Spurs move so quickly for James Madison, because he ticked the box of being a long term target and was always on Spurs radar since last summer. And on top of that, Postacoglu very much came in and said, perfect for my style as well. And he brings you that versatility and that 
creativity that perhaps Spurs haven't had since Christian Eriksen was at the football club. So a really good signing, but one that helps that transition from what Spurs wanted historically to now under Ange Postacoglu and a target really that was universally approved by those who are newer to the club and older. As far as the sporting director is concerned, not too much new intel, to be perfectly honest with you, to bring. I know that Tottenham had looked at a variety of candidates and the process now has slowed because ultimately Daniel Levy and others at the club have been keen to look at that dynamic between himself to an extent, even though people constantly say he's staying back, Mon and Postacoglu. And they're almost therefore appointing the sporting director more backwards. And the final thing with any sporting director is that if you want one, and they're incumbent anywhere, they may not even be able to work across this window, which also means that you don't have to be in a bigger rush. So we know, for example, that even the people have linked Paul Mitchell, he's not going to come back to Spurs. Michael Edwards, again, not on the Tottenham radar. Lee Dykes from the Premier League is appreciated, but there's several names on the list. So at this point, I don't really have anything to add in terms of a front runner other than what's been widely reported, but Spurs will obviously look to urgently get a name in, uh, but urgently getting a name in versus when they can start working could be two different things. It just depends, as I said before, on whether the candidate they eventually pick is in a job at the moment. And if they are, they might not be able to work across the summer window. Ben, you mentioned uh, James Madison there, uh, £40 million signing from Leicester. Of course, Spurs have signed a new goalkeeper as well from Empoli, uh, Vicario, on a five-year deal. Uh, what did you make of that signing? And uh, can you talk us through uh, what happened with the David Raya situation? I think with Raya, it looked like a foregone conclusion, but the price from Spurs' perspective was just a little bit too high. And then so much upheaval at Spurs. There were a few different opinions, as I understand it, within the hierarchy as to whether they wanted to just be bullish and go ahead and pay that price and get something done quickly or look at other options. And Vicario has slightly different qualities, much more of a, I would say, developing talent that maybe has similar shot-stopping qualities, very good with the feet, can play sweeper-keeper. But I think the difference between the two is maybe Rhea is less of a risk, I would say. And the reason for that is not only the Premier League experience that he's got, but slightly safer hands. And I think that from Spurs' point of view, they prioritised that move when they thought that the price would drop. But obviously, if you look at Vicario, then what you see is a 26-year-old, and for a goalkeeper, that could give you a 10-year longevity. Someone that's a little bit more explosive, quick decision-maker, and then the area of improvement is going to come in decision-making. I don't want to alarm Spurs fans by saying that, because I don't mean decision-making in the sense he's bad at decision-making, there's going to be a bunch of errors. But when you get a goalkeeper this raw and talented, he's very instinctive. And instinctive goalkeepers tend to like to move early. They tend to have that confidence in themselves to punch the ball over, catch the ball. They tend to use a lot of their reflexes, which means that they stand bigger and taller. And sometimes that can mean that they overcommit. Sometimes that can mean that they get done by somebody pacier. Sometimes that can mean that they get beaten at their far post. 
because they gamble on a near post, they stand tall at a near post, and then obviously it allows you to block off an angle, but it's risk-reward in the sense that if the player coming forwards has got an angle to deliver and is intelligent, they can loop it to the back post, they can put the goalkeeper out of position. So I sum him up by looking at the triple save he made against Roma, and I'd encourage Spurs fans to look at that because you see a bunch of qualities the first save he makes, he should do better with. So although it prompts a world-class triple save, it should never have been a triple save. Because again, as I think I've maybe quite badly, but tried to describe, if you watch that video, again, he stays towards the near post and he stays tall and he's not interested in taking the ball into his body and he's not interested in pushing it out for a corner. He's saying, I'm going to back this away. I'm going to be big and tall and you're not going to get it past me at my near post. And I've got confidence in my reflexes. So as a consequence of not turning it around the post or gathering it, what he does is parry it out, I think, to his right. But please watch the video and apologies if I've got that wrong. Then from there... The second save is unbelievable. It's outstanding. And that's where he thinks one step ahead because he knows, okay, if I do it this way, I might have to get back to the center of the goal. So he's able to shift really quickly. He's got fast acceleration moving across the ground. And then there he is to make the second stop and it's brilliant. And that's Mm. the kind of thing that Spurs are like, wow, you're going to save us goals here. But again, there's always a danger that someone follows up in the box. And then the third save is good because he again has to react. So he's actually gone from his left post to pretty much his right post in the space of about five seconds, which shows you his pace and his intelligence. But then Tammy Abraham does also sort of miss a point blank range header. So I think he should be burying that as well. And from a striker's point of view, he'll be disappointed. So you see a lot of qualities and he's quite frantic. He's quite reflex driven and there will be times where he needs to just catch the ball or calm down a little bit but obviously Spurs look at the age and the profile and the cost and believe that he'll be able to develop and have a high ceiling so there's a lot to like and the beauty of a goalkeeper is at 26 he's still got plenty of time to mature Ben, just before we went live, um, Tottenham Hotspur put out an interview with uh, James Madison. And Madison said, uh, the Postacoglu said to him, this is going to be a new look Tottenham. Now, what else uh, in terms of business do you think Spurs will do this summer? Because, of course, goalkeeper was on the list as a priority. Mm. Tick. Uh, creative midfielder. Tick. Surely now we've got to get a couple of defenders in. Um, anyone else? Uh, and, and, and also I wanted to ask you about budget. What do you think the budget will be this summer? Yeah, I think that budget is never entirely fixed, but Tottenham will want to back Ange Postacoglu as best they can. And you're absolutely right. Defence will be a priority. I can see Tottenham looking for a ball-playing centre-back for sure. And obviously, they're going to have to work out the situation and quite early with Harry Kane, which is why that conversation with Kane is important. Because even if there's speculation throughout the whole summer, I think Levy will want to know directly from Kane If I say to you, this is Daniel Levy talking, you're staying, is that fine? And if Kane says, yeah, I give you my word that unless you get an offer and you want to sell, then you can basically force me to stay at the football club. Then Tottenham can plan to spend budget on the other things that you mentioned. Whereas if Kane's going to be pushing for the move, then Tottenham need to pivot and think who's going to be replacing Kane. And then obviously the budget becomes redundant because if you're getting 80 to 100 plus million in for Kane, then your budget is going to be some of that to replace Kane. 
So I would keep an eye on Dusan Vlaevic, even though Chelsea, Manchester United are more linked. And I would also keep a very close eye on Jonathan David, who's available in the market as well. But I want to make one thing very clear because I know that aggregators will take that maybe a bit out of context. Make sure if this is sort of reported, and I'll obviously do the same in my own reporting, it's an if Kane leaves. Because yep. I think we're going to get sucked into a lot of Spurs are looking at this, Spurs are looking at that, when they're not really yep. actively looking at a Kane replacement at all at this point. But they're going to have to be hyper aware of the situation because they don't want to be in a position where Kane suddenly goes and then they don't have a replacement in mind. And then I think, as you say, if Kane is out of the equation, it will be all about ball playing defenders and also outgoings as well are still going to be important, which is why Spurs are really pleased, for example, that they've been able to get around 10 million for Harry Winks, who has gone to Leicester, my club, not part of the Madison deal, but a sort of two deals with one stone, if you like, type deal, two birds with one stone, but in deal form. So that's good business for Spurs because it's little things like that that clear a player off the wage bill, reduce the squad size and bring in a bit of cash, which they can declare on the annual books. And they can also do that in likelihood, presuming it's all signed and done before the end of the financial year. Are you pleased with uh, the, the signing of Harry Winks, Ben? I think so. I mean, by championship standards, yes. I think the whole point from Leicester's perspective is to find a player that can help get Leicester up. And Leicester's priority is obviously to resolve the situation of those that want to leave, especially now Harvey Barnes and previously Madison before he joined Tottenham. And this is why Leicester and Spurs were able to move so quickly, because ultimately all parties realised that Madison was going to go. And now for Leicester, it's about keeping, I would say, the sort of Indidis, the Iheanachos, the Castanias, if they can. Even Iverson in goal might not be too bad, although I think that Leicester might well look at Zach Steffen. And I think with Enzo Pep's assistant coming in, that's really exciting for Leicester too, because it's going to be a style of football that's very easy on the eye. And hopefully Leicester can get the best out of Harry Winks because he's the kind of player that I still think could improve under the right manager and game time. You can understand why Spurs just wanted to sell. He's 27 years of age. He's surplus to requirements. He'd obviously come off the back of a loan spell with Sampdoria. I think he'd had some problems with injuries there as well. But I think that if he can get back to the Winks, who was sort of playing 20-odd times for Spurs, most seasons between, I think, 2018, 19, 19, 20, and if he can bring a bit of consistency to his game and stay fit, then quality championship signing and a player absolutely that you'd want in your squad if Leicester comes straight back up to the Premier League. Ben, I've got so many names uh, that I'm going to throw at you now. Um, Clement Longley, what's happened uh, to the deal with Clement Longley? Because it seemed that Barcelona wanted a deal to go through. Uh, want, he, they want uh, to get him off the wage bill. Uh, it looked like a dead cert that Spurs were going to sign him on a permanent deal. What, what's, what's happened there? Yeah, it's a little bit complicated, isn't it, at this point? And you're absolutely right in what you say, that it looked like this one would be done and then there were suddenly some hitches. And now the situation is definitely unclear. I think that there's still a likelihood 
that Longley will complete his move to Tottenham simply because we know that Barcelona basically want to get rid of him. So all signs would point to that, but nothing is done at this point at the time we're recording it. I also don't think the fee is going to be a massive stumbling block either. But this so-called agreement in principle that looked on a few days hasn't actually led to anything definitive at this point. And that's about all I could update at this point. So there's plenty of time in the window. And from Barcelona's point of view, you would think that they would want something done quickly in order to reduce the squad size and get him off the wage bill. But let's just wait and see what happens because Tottenham is still there, but nothing is done at the time of recording. Uh, another one, Ben, and Edmund Tabsoba, Bayer Leverkusen, 24-year-old centre-back. Not too much that I can add on this one either, unfortunately, that hasn't already been reported. And the thing about Spurs and centre-backs, just before we go into the player, is that this has been a year-long search, effectively. Yeah. And that's the frustrating thing for Tottenham. They looked at Bastoni. They couldn't get him from Inter. They looked at Skriniar. He's now off to PSG. So this is kind of a reflection of how frustrated I think that Tottenham have felt in the market with some of their targets. And I do expect them to move pretty fast on the centre-back front now. And I think the first concrete one that we're going to see in terms of negotiations is more likely to be Mickey van der Ven. That's the one I think is one to watch as far as Tottenham are concerned. But the Leverkusen defender that you mentioned is another possibility. And it's definitely true that Spurs have reached out to initiate those talks. I'm not personally aware of whether they've advanced in the last 24 or 48 hours. But what I can confirm is that Spurs have begun those talks with Bayer Leverkusen. But the thing about Tapsoba to understand is just that there's a large volume of clubs in the race. So Tottenham are not going to have a clear path at this one. It's not going to be like the Madison deal. And that might well lead to complications. And also we have to understand the player desire. And others may be reporting differently, but I'm not aware of a player desire yet on this particular front. Then the other targets to just keep an eye out on for are Max Kilman still, who I revealed a year ago was on Spurs' radar. So there's another ball-playing defender that actually started in futsal and therefore has a very technical skill set. I don't actually think he had the best season last season, but the season before he was exceptional and that was what piqued Spurs' interest. So that's going to be telling. So if they move for Kilman, then it shows you that there's this long-term strategy. If they don't now move for Kilman, then it tells you that the newer people at the club are having more input. And then, of course, we always hear these rumours about Harry Maguire, but before anything can even be presumed on that front. Eric Ten Hag and Maguire need to have a face-to-face -face conversation where 
both Ten Hag will outline his position for Maguire and Maguire will input as to whether he's happy with his role at the football club or he wants to move elsewhere due to diminished game time. So there's nothing in that at the moment, even though we hear Maguire linked with Spurs, we hear Maguire even linked with Chelsea. There's other names at the moment that Spurs are pursuing in a more concrete manner as far as centre-backs are concerned, and we've just discussed a few of them. Ben, with Van der Ven uh, that you mentioned, um, have the club actually spoken to uh, his representatives yet, as yet? Yeah, I think Tottenham have explored this deal on the player side. So it's pretty concrete from what I understand. And he's emerging as one of the best talents in the Bundesliga based on last season. I think he's even had a call up to the Netherlands side as well. And he's only 22 years of age. So there's an excellent profile there. And I would call him now Madison's in really one of top Tottenham's top priorities if they can possibly get him. And you'll hear a lot about Liverpool, but I think Spurs are more advanced on this one or more serious at this point. So they've reached out to explore the terms of the deal. They've definitely already held talks with his representatives as well. And now we have to wait and see whether things progress on the club-to-club side. But this one is a very real possibility. And sources at Spurs do indicate that he's quite high up on the list of potential targets. One name that I keep uh, seeing uh, crop up is uh, Roma centre-back Roger Abanez. Is there any possibility of Spurs going in for him? Just give me one sec. Slight problem with the camera. My apologies to everybody, but I am going to try and fix it and then we'll come back. No problem. Maybe give your opinion on it, Chris, first, and then I'll fix the camera and return. Well, I certainly think that um, Tottenham Hotspur need to concentrate on centre-backs. And uh, as I've said on this channel many times, I think that Postacoglu needs to be backed in the right way. We need to do things differently as a football club, uh, how we've done in recent years. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in this transfer window. Um, but I think it's been a great start so far. Uh, Madison on a five-year deal, Vicario on a five-year deal. Um, we go to Australia in just under three weeks' time, so it'll be great for Postacoglu uh, to take these players and a couple of others if we can get them done early. Um, from what I understand as well, that Postacoglu was at Hotspur Way yesterday uh, working. Um, he doesn't officially start at the club until Saturday, the 1st of July, along with Scott Munn. Um, so it's all positive at the moment and, it, and it's great to see so many Tottenham Hotspur fans uh, with a smile on their face at the moment because it has been, you know, certainly last season, it has been uh, tough, tough. Um, ben, Roger Abanez. Yeah, Roger Abanez doesn't feel as much of a priority at this point. And by priority, I just mean that they're focused on some of the targets that we've discussed before. I know that there's some reports out of Italy suggesting somehow there might be a swap deal and maybe Ben Davis will be involved in it. I'm not aware of that. I've got full respect for any of those sources in Italy saying it, but I haven't been made aware that Tottenham are looking into any kind of swap deal at this particular point. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. It's not as concrete as the other names that have been discussed. I think that from Roma's point of view, it would be normal to consider Davis because they're kind of on the lookout for a left-back and Jose Mourinho knows the player well and he's likely to stay at Roma, by the way, despite a massive offer 
from Saudi Arabia. So let's wait and see. I actually think that when you look at... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Avis, there's no reason why he couldn't play as a sort of inverted fullback under Postacoglu. And even though I think he's 30 now, that experience might be quite useful from Tottenham's point of view. Destiny Adoje is going to come in, excellent potential and player, but is young. It can't hurt to have a 30-year-old that can play in that inverted fullback position because it fits quite well with Postacoglu's style. So I'm not ruling out somebody being able to come in for Davis, but if I was Postacoglu and when I look at his style and system, I'd probably be quite tempted to keep Davis. I don't know if Spurs fans disagree. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, debate, that one. Um, Ben, next up, uh, Victor Nelson and Nicolo Zaniolo, uh, who both, of course, play for Galatasaray. Um, Nicolo Zaniolo, that's a name that keeps cropping up every single transfer window. Yeah, Zaniolo was more concrete, I think, last summer, and there wasn't really a fee to be had. And at that point, Mourinho kind of wanted to give the player another chance. And this was very much driven at the time by Antonio Conte. And I think Spurs played Roma in a friendly and the club spoke about it in depth. And the reason why Conte liked the player is because he thought he was really versatile and he could be converted into all kinds of different positions. But now I think that that's gone cold. And from Zaniolo's point of view, he's had kind of horrible injury problems over the last few seasons and he had that fallout as well with Jose Mourinho who was unimpressed by his attitude so the profile's decent 23 years of age but I see Zaniolo being sold to another Serie A side and I think he does want to stay in Italy and with that deal I think Juventus might be one to watch. Ben keep seeing reports as well about Bristol City star Alex Scott and Peterborough star Ronnie Edwards. Could Spurs go in for one or, or, or both of these this summer, do you think? I think that it's sort of difficult in many ways with Tottenham because they 
want to buy young, but they're well aware that experience is going to be a big part of them getting back into European football. So I think of the names that you mentioned, the big one is Bristol City's Alex Scott, for sure. And there's probably two front runners at this stage for him that are very seriously interested in the deal, Tottenham and Wolves. And Wolves have been all over him for months and months and months. There's plenty of other clubs that have looked. And luckily, from Tottenham's point of view, if they proceed, and also Wolves's, some of them are now in the championship because Leeds and Leicester were two of them. But Brentford could also be one to watch. Brighton have taken a look as well. And Scott is just a phenomenal talent and uh, tremendous potential and very mature for his age. And even clubs like Liverpool, for example, have scouted the player, but they're one that are definitely not going to move. And the deal would need around 25 million. And Bristol City know that if the right number comes in, they will sell the player. So this is going to be one to watch for Spurs and also for Wolves. And it shouldn't be a surprise. This was a name that I exclusively broke um, all the way back in January, saying that Scott is likely to go somewhere either in January or in the summer. We might have even spoken about it when I last came on the show. Yeah. So I think there's very realistic possibility that that one um, progresses and I can definitely see Scott at a Premier League club. And as far as midfielders are concerned, again, front foot, tenacious, can get box to box, fits well with Postacoglu's style. I think some speculate, maybe there's even cold hard proof that he's a Spurs fan as well. So uh, I know that fans love it when they think the player that they're signing actually has an affinity with the club. Um, I'm not sure myself whether that's true, but a fair few people have said that they believe that to be the case. It clearly won't be the only thing that he factors into his decision-making. But with Scott, keep an eye on Spurs, but also Wolves as well, because they've probably been the most aggressive so far in terms of exploring that deal. Ben, if we can move on to possible departures. Now, all of us Spurs fans at the moment are expecting a number of players this summer to go out the door uh, as this rebuild continues. Um, what players do you expect to head out the door? Hugo Lloris has obviously said, um, he's come out and said it's an end of an era, so we expect him to depart. Um, any clubs interested in him at the moment? Yeah, I think that with Lloris, there's a very real possibility that we get a sentimental return. And it will be interesting to see whether he goes back to France. I would keep an eye on Nice in particular. Obviously, he's ex-Leon as well. But I'd keep an eye on Nice. And the only reason I say that is because Kasper Schmeichel is there. And there's a real feeling that that's not working out. And even though Schmeichel wants to stay, and even though he wants to also keep playing for the Denmark national team, he's one of those goalkeepers that feels like he can be at his peak for four or five more years. But there is a possibility there that... Nice think about changing their number one goalkeeper. And obviously, if the opportunity came to bring Lloris back, that might well be one possibility. So there's some interest in him for sure from France. And I think that Lloris is also on record as saying that he would be open in theory to that kind of sentimental return. So that's one outgoing to watch for sure. And then uh, the most interesting player, I think, from Tottenham's point of view, in terms of possible outgoings, is Eric Dyer. And I suppose we can talk about Pierre-Emil Hoiberg as well. With Hoiberg, I don't think he's the best fit for Postacoglu's system. So that makes it more likely 
that he will go. Whereas with Dyer, I think he's more intent to fight for his place, but obviously he's not the only factor in the discussion. Postacoglu may have a slightly different perspective on the situation. I'm not hinting that he wants Dyer out yet because he's not even started. And this is where the manager has to give everyone a fair chance and obviously see what people are like during pre-season. But I think that Dyer's perspective, even though there will be interest, is that he'd like to stay and fight for his place. Whereas I think that Hoiberg is more likely to leave. What about Sanchez and uh, Tanganga? Because I, I feel that a lot of Spurs fans feel the same about, you know, especially uh, our, our defenders, um, that they may have outstayed their welcome at the football club. I know you've just covered Eric Dyer, uh, probably not what most Spurs fans want to hear, but um, out of the defenders in particular, who would you expect to leave? Who would be pushing for a move away? I think it's so hard to use the word push because we have to understand that it's a completely new era with a completely new style. So anyone that might have pushed because they weren't conducive to Conte ball or they weren't getting opportunities under the manager may now have slightly different ideas because who's to say how Postacoglu will impact the situation with Tanganga. He's still only 24 years of age and he's been at Spurs I think all of his football career since about 2009. And yet last season, he only made four appearances. And I don't think we've seen a season for Tanganga in the Premier League where he's played more than 15 games. So if he's craving game time, then naturally he may have to move elsewhere. But we can't discount the fact that that's a profile that ultimately Postacoglu might want to assess. So I still think that that's one to wait and see. I know that there has been some interest in the Premier League from Luton Town in the player, and whether or not he'd be interested in that move remains to be seen. I also know that Atalanta have taken a look at the player too. So we certainly can't rule out a possibility of an um, exit there. And then with Davinson Sanchez, haven't made any particularly recent inquiries on that one at this point. Uh, the intimation maybe a couple of weeks back was that the player uh, would be um, quite open to leaving. And on the player side, they had kind of asked Tottenham to look at an exit strategy alongside them. So I think there is a very realistic possibility uh, that he could go. Um, and um, I don't think he'll be short of options, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but, you know, once again, before we sort of say these things categorically, uh, we have to understand the situation with Postacoglu, because there's no point in talking about a player's future based solely on what Postacoglu has inherited. And this is why if you're Postacoglu, you're sensible to assess your squad in person and make up your mind directly. And that was the problem really with um, Pochettino and Mason Mount, that Pochettino was desperate to try and get Mason Mount to somehow stay to the early few weeks of pre-season to see whether by working together for 10 or 12 days or going on a pre-season tour together, he could then say to Mount, look, you're enjoying your football. You're enjoying your life. Like I've given you a pathway. I've given you a role. Maybe things change. Maybe you see something in preseason that's a little bit different. 
So managers are always wanting to delay, delay, delay a little bit. But I think from Daniel Levy's point of view, uh, he wants three or four of these outgoings now uh, to make sure the squad size isn't too big and obviously to bring in a bit of much-needed income. So if Spurs do want to move for one or two more in the market, they're not worried on budget. Ben, Spurs paid a combined £100 million for Tongyon Dombele and Giovanni Lo Celso. Is there any interest in either of those at the moment? And would you expect them to move on this summer? Yeah, I think that, again, it's uh, very possible. Um, there's certainly a lot of interest in Lo Celso, and there also uh, was around about January uh, as well. Uh, Villarreal were on the clubs looking. Aston Villa are another one that have taken a look as well. So um, that exit, I think, is uh, relatively um, possible at this stage. I'm not aware of anything uh, in terms of a formal offer for the player at this point. But I do think that that one stands a realistic chance. Uh, even Barcelona have taken a look as well. Um, I think that with uh, Undombele, it, it, it's a little bit different because he, he kind of hasn't had much love from not only Conte, but I would also say Mourinho um, and Nuno as well. Uh, but I actually think that Undombele uh, will be given a, a chance to impress so I, I think of the two, he is less likely. I think if you'd have asked Ndombele under Conte, um, it would have been very clear, I'm going during the summer. Uh, but now I think that um, he is going to be given a chance, at least during pre-season, before any final decision is made on his future. What about um, Sergio Regulon and Joe Roden, who, of course, spent time away uh, last season on loan? I don't know a great deal about Roden, to be perfectly honest with you. As you say, had a, a spell on loan. Uh, the plan has always been to bring him back and assess. And that is the situation at the moment. Um, with Sergio Regulon, um, still only 26, let's forget, and um, was on loan last season at Atleti. Um, played a handful of games in La Liga. Um, I think um, that um, there isn't that much interest at this point from Atleti to try and make that deal uh, permanent. Um, I've heard there's one or two other clubs that uh, are looking uh, one to keep an eye on could be Celta Vigo. I know that Rafa Benitez is quite intrigued to see whether anything is possible and he's just taken the job there. But uh, certainly uncertainty uh, around those two players and uh, definitely on the list of players that Spurs will entertain offers for. Another one, Ben, that it doesn't seem to have quite worked out for him since he's moved from Fulham, Ryan Sessegnon. Would you expect him to be a Spurs player next season? I really like Sessegnon, you know, and um, as you say, it's just not worked out the move, unfortunately, which is a, a great shame all around. And, you know, this is a player that can ultimately play left back, left mid, left wing, yeah. um, had a breakthrough at Fulham and is still only 23 years um, of age. So um, really um, should now be 
uh, either moving on or getting game time at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and um, if he can't be given a clear pitch, then uh, it might be one of those where the player stipulates that he wants to kind of get the game time. There's plenty of interest in the player uh, for sure. Obviously, during his time at Spurs, since I think he signed in, what, 2019? Um, he had that loan spell at Hoffenheim as well. Um, the thing that Hoffenheim uh, were disappointed in a couple of years ago um, w was really just that he, he never got as prolific as the potential suggested. So there was one season when he was at Fulham um, playing in a really attack-minded role where, um, as you would expect, playing in that position and in the championship he scored 15 goals and then even though he's versatile and positions and styles change um there's still a feeling that wherever he plays whether it's as a fullback whether it's a midfielder or whether it's a winger that he should be chipping in with more goals and i, I think that that was spurs perspective as well last season um so um you know under Postacoglu, the the width that he plays with and the versatility that he has should be a good fit. Um, so I think that Postacoglu will again want to look very closely at the player before making any decisions. Ben, the last two players I wanted to discuss with you, um, Brian Hill, do you think he will move on uh, this summer? And uh, Jed Spence, because of course Antonio Conte called Jed Spence, a club signing. Of course, Spurs have got Pedro Porro and Emerson Royale in at right back. Um, do you think he'll get much game time or do you think that Spurs will be looking to loan him out again? Yeah, there's a question mark over Brian Hill for sure. Um, and, um, you know, strong feeling over the last few weeks that uh, Sevilla might come back in. Um, so he could be an outgoing for sure. Um, and then who was the other one? Uh, Jed Spence. Yeah, Jed Spence is just one of those Spurs signings over the summer that was part of a really exciting time because it felt like it was signing over signing after signing. And I, I think he was the sixth because they did that announcement, didn't they? Sixth Spence. Um, but he's one of those that much like many of them over the summer that were signed in bulk and in volume, uh, when it looked like Spurs were being ambitious, were not those like automatic starters. They were all squad players and uh, proved to be relatively underwhelming. And uh, I think that's obviously the case with Spence because he's come in. He played, I think, only four Premier League games before going off to Wren on uh, loan. But when you sign a player like that and they're still new, um, really you want to try and keep them and get the best out of them. And um, like, I think the most telling thing for Spence, um, because he was eligible to my knowledge, is that he missed out on selection for the England under 21s at the Euros in Romania and Georgia. So he's fallen quite far down. Um, and um, when you think, for example, uh, that Skip is there, right? Adoji is there. Yeah. Uh, but Spence isn't taking part. Um, and I think when you sign a player like that at the beginning of last season and then a year on, uh, they can't even make an under-21 squad and they've already been out on a um, a um, loan. Um, it, 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 it sort of tells you that things haven't gone, unfortunately, according to plan. Um, 
So my, my feeling is with Spence um, that there is interest in him, uh, but because he only joined a year ago, I, I think he's another one, even though I sound like a broken record here, that will get the preseason first. That doesn't mean he won't go. It means that you've got preseason and then you've still got weeks left of the window. So I think that this one, if he's sold, will come a little bit later in the window. Uh, my side, Leicester, actually, had uh, inquired and taken a look um, and hadn't got much confidence when they did so in January that anything would be possible in the summer. Um, and then um, there was a little bit of interest, to my knowledge, from Lyon, and um, there have also been requests for loan deals as well. Uh, I'm not so sure that Spence uh, would want to do a second loan because if it becomes sort of join, loan, and then loan again, it, it almost feels like the club is saying, because he's so new to the club effectively still, sorry, this one's not going to work out. So um, a lot will depend on this, on whether the player communicates um, what he's prepared to do. But in addition to that, I think that a lot will come down to um, whether he can impress in pre-season. I think what will be really interesting, Ben, is when Postacoglu officially starts from Saturday, he will have two weeks to assess that squad. And it'd be interesting to see the players that don't get on that plane, like last mm. season, like last summer with Antonio Conte. You know, he didn't include a number of players on the plane. Um, lastly, um, we've just got a couple of comments um, or questions. Uh, Perisic, is it possible that he could go out the door? And we've also been linked, and I'm not sure whether it's paper talk or not, uh, Furuhashi from uh, Celtic. Any possibility of Spurs signing him? Yeah, don't know anything about the latter other than player Postacoglu knows well, shock horror linked with him. Yeah. Be a yeah. great signing, by the way. Uh, but obviously, you have to also think about now Tottenham's target positions, not only target players. And they're going to have to work out what their priorities are uh, based upon the budget that is available to them. So, uh, of course, it could be one to watch. But, you know, everybody loves a day after, week after the manager has signed, linking them with players from their former club. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of him. Very good player. Um, and, um, you know, quite clearly not one that Brendan Rodgers will want to uh, lose. And Perisic? Perisic, I think, um, would be quite useful again in this system, but he is 34 uh, years of age. Um, I think that when you um, have such a need for outgoings, um, there, there, there is a lot of opportunism for clubs to get a deal. And um, Fenerbahce are one of them, for example, that have approached the Perisic side to see whether anything is possible. Um, there's also um, some interest from Saudi Arabia to see whether they can get a big money offer for him, uh, much like there was for Son. Uh, but it's really important, by the way, with Son, just to say um, the, the Saudis were never going for Son in 2023. This was a name and a story that I broke about a month ago and then subsequently, uh, we saw these reports that an actual offer had been placed. And then Song came and basically said, I'm not going anywhere. 
but as per my original understanding, there was never a SOM 2023 narrative to Saudi. It was always the case that it would be 2024 as a target. And at that point, both Spurs and Son may have a different position. So keep an eye with Perisic uh, because um, at 34, um, may well be somebody that Postacoglu is prepared to get rid of. I don't think Spurs are panicked about the situation, but if the right offer uh, comes in, uh, then it will be a player that uh, they could be open to getting off the books. Um, Saudi Arabia are going after all of these targets at the moment. So um, obviously uh, there can be opportunism for a club in order to uh, sell uh, and get a good deal. Um, the only thing I would say about um, the Perisic situation um, is just that um, if they get rid of him, um, the club that chooses to buy him are going to have to afford the wages because I think yeah. in bringing that deal done, um, he's on something pretty high. It's well over 150000 a week. I don't think it's quite at 200000 a week, but it's well over 150000 a week. So the player's either got to take a wage cut if, for example, he's open to a move to Turkey uh, or he's got to hold out for one of those offers like Saudi Arabia. And obviously, if Saudi Arabia were to come in for him, uh, and I'm told that um, both Al-Itihad um, and also um, Al-Ali are the, the two clubs that are uh, exploring that deal, I wouldn't quite call it an offer yet and I wouldn't quite call it uh, a direct approach to Spurs yet, but they're thinking about it um, as to whether it's possible. Um, so they're going to be able to afford those wages. And this is where we're seeing, we've already seen it with Chelsea, but we'll see other clubs join uh, in that opportunism of sort of being able to offload some of their big earners. So uh, an exit is not guaranteed, but if an exit happens, it's just important to illustrate that the wages are quite high. Ben, very, very last question for you. Naming rights on the stadium. Any news? Uh, no news to add on that. Lovely. Thank you very much. And uh, Ben, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest. I could talk to you all day about Spurs and about football in general. Um, please tell everyone where they, where they can find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment. Yeah, CBS as normal. I've got a brand new podcast as well with Fabrizio Romano and Angus Scott, which has just launched last week. More details to follow at Jacobs Ben on Twitter, cbssports.com for all of the written stuff. And good luck to Spurs during the preseason for the rest of the window. Let's hope that they can keep Kane, uh, continue to bring in quality. And obviously, as a Leicester fan in particular, I really hope that James Madison succeeds and uh, excels at the football club. Thank you, Ben. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, come on, you Spurs. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.